Hello, everyone. Welcome to Timeless Voyager, where the knowledge is timeless and you are the Voyager. I am your host, Bruce Stephen Holmes. So strap your cosmic seat belts on and prepare for some possible turbulence today. My next guest is Dr. Liviu Stanisor, live today from the United Kingdom. Dr. Stanisor is an MD with a PhD who has also done years of research work in cognitive neuroscience in the Netherlands. As an MD, Dr. Stanisor specialized in nuclear medicine. However, when he developed health issues that could not be helped by mainstream medicine, his search led him to frequency therapy, colloidal silver, and the Spooky 2 device, which we will talk about in great detail today. So we're going to discuss the history of colloidal silver, its use and health benefits, how to make it yourself quickly and easily using the Spooky 2 device. A description of the Spooky 2 colloidal silver kit. And most importantly, quality control of your do-it-yourself colloidal silver and why a TDS meter, which is total dissolved solids, may not be helpful. For example, they will not tell you what those total dissolved solids actually are and if they are harmful for your health. For example, you could have a high TDS meter reading and yet a reading of no harmful contaminants in your water. Other colloidal metals like colloidal gold, colloidal copper, and their benefits is going to be discussed. And finally, Dr. Stanisor will give you some conclusions. So without any more background information, I want to welcome today's guest, Dr. Liviu Stanisor. Thank you very much, Bruce. I'm happy to be here today. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start. You have a presentation, and I'll uh, help it along. Excellent. All right, so let's get started. Uh, I'm going to tell you a few words about myself. Maybe that's not even necessary anymore because it made the introduction. Uh, I'm going to say just a few things about the history of silver and colloidal silver use. Then I will go into the description of the Spooky to Colloidal Silver Kit. And then we'll get to the most important part, which is how to make colloidal silver. After that, we'll have a look at the quality control of colloidal silver. And then we will mention other colloidal metals and their health benefits. And then I'll say a few words about my personal experience with colloidal metals. Now, as you've said, I was born and raised in Romania, and I'm graduated from medical school there. After that, I uh, did a little bit of training towards orthopedic surgery, but I changed my mind. And then I went and did some years of research in cognitive neuroscience in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, where I also defended my PhD thesis. As you said, I'm uh, specialized in nuclear medicine, 
Um, but all, through all those years, I did have an interest in alternative medicine, and I started working with crystals. Since I was a teenager, I uh, liked to keep on close to me. And that later developed into a passion and an alternative interest uh, hobby, and maybe more than that even. And I went and did crystal therapy, and I got qualifications in that. I became a Reiki master and grandmaster, and I also looked into crystal Reiki, angel therapy, and sound medicine. And uh, the latest addition to this was frequency therapy, because I uh, was introduced to the spooky devices in January 2023, and I have used them intensively ever since. And the most important thing that has to be said from this is that today I'm here as an alternative medicine practitioner because, as we'll see, what I'm talking about is not directly connected to mainstream medicine. I'll first um, go through and maybe share a a look on silver and colloidal silver use and what we can say is if we uh, go in recorded history we see that people used silver since ancient Egypt which is quite a few thousand years ago and it was used as a jewelry and dishware and it was seen as more precious than gold uh, and just for a few other brief mentions in history was that the King Cyrus in Persia um, reportedly refused to drink water because it was not transported in a silver container and because that uh, kept it fresh for years. And um, even Hippocrates, which is the father of Western medicine, was born in 460 BC according to the chronicles. He used silver to heal wounds and control infections. And then later in the Middle Ages, nobility and royalty kept water, wine, and food in silver containers to delay spoilage. And they also used silver utensils and dishware in order to eat. And they believed that it contributed to their cleanliness and health. In the modern days, electrolysis as we know it, was first performed in 1785 by the Dutch scientist Martin van Maaren, and it was better understood in the year 1800, so quite some time ago, actually. But the first documented use of colloidal silver was made by Dr. Henry Crookes between 910 and 913, and he was the first one to describe its germicidal activity on many microorganisms. And now I will quote from a published book by Dr. Crookes, who said, silver in the colloidal state is highly germicidal, quite harmless to humans and absolutely non-toxic. Rather than in a chemical compound, the silver in the colloidal state may be applied in a much more concentrated form with correspondingly better results. All virus, fungus, victim, streptococcus, staphylococcus, and other pathogenic organisms are killed in three or four minutes upon contact. 
there are no side effects whatsoever from the highest concentrations. And it's important to understand that this is a function from 910 and 913. And that's when people were using silver nitrate to disinfect wounds. But silver nitrate is a chemical compound which is, well, it burns. It's not that good. And that's why he made a distinction even then between the colloidal silver and silver compounds, which is either a substance or, or a more complex compound, which we'll see later. And also pertaining to the effects of colloidal silver on health is uh, the book that's written by Dr. Paul Farber, and it's called The Micro Silver Bullet, and was published in, in the fourth edition in 1996 but it was written before that time. Uh, he used the compound made by binding colloidal silver to an undisclosed protein, which he named mild silver protein. And, and uh, just going through his book briefly, I made a few notes. Uh, he documented eight patients that recovered from AIDS, HIV infection by using this silver or colloidal silver compound. Then also he showed in vitro tests showing germicidal effects on Borrelia burgdorferi, which is a spirochetes which, and causing the Lyme disease. Also he showed that it was blocking the replication of the HIV-1 virus, and also bacteria such as Streptococcus pneumonia, which causes pneumonia, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, which is a very nasty bacteria. Staphylococcus aureus and Escherichia coli, and many of these are resistant to multiple antibiotics. He also described the best way to take colloidal silver, which is sublingually, and he advises to keep under the tongue for about one minute, and then swish about 10 seconds, and then gargle about 10 seconds, and then swallow. And he describes all the steps because if you do all these, uh, the colloidal silver diffuses already in the lymphoid tissue which is in our mouth and in our throat and helps the immune system right away. Um, then, and just to show that there was an article in Science Digest from March 9, 1978 which states that colloidal silver was known to kill over 650 different microorganisms. Oh, that's very interesting because I couldn't find any evidence of that except the excerpt from Science Digest. That's not to say that it doesn't exist, just that it's not to be found using a, an internet search. Then we have uh, the testimonial, testimonial of a biomedical researcher uh, Robert O. Becker was a doctor from Syracuse University who reported that silver stimulates bone-forming cells into growing new bone where it had not healed for long periods of time. So apparently it was very good for bone regeneration and healing. Then also so, um, it is uh, thought that colloidal silver stimulates the immune system and promotes tissue healing. 
and it has been used in the treatment of burns. Uh, also, uh, it is friendly to animals and at least as effective. I've uh, shown here in this picture um, something that I found and that explains the um, crystalline structure of mantles, which was quite interesting to me because, uh, as you might guess, I'm very interested in crystals. And I was amazed to find out that mantles have a similar structure, uh, at least some of them, and definitely copper, silver, and gold have a very similar, if not identical, structure, which is called the face-centered cubic crystal structure. And that means that the way they are organized inside the, the piece of metal is that there are tiny little cubes which have atoms of the respective metal in all of their corners and one in the center of each face of the cube. And you see this very nicely depicted in the picture. And that probably accounts for the very good conductivity to electricity of these metals. That's also something to be said. Um, coming back to some evidence of the benefic or beneficial effects of the colloidal silver on health. Colloidal silver was found to be cytotoxic to human breast cancer cells in vitro, and I have a reference uh, from an article published in 2010, while at the same time healthy white blood cells were not affected. And then I found two more um, mentions of the colloidal silver, more specifically. Biogenic silver nanoparticles showed anti-cancer properties in glioblastoma stem cells, breast cancer cells, and human pancreatic cancer cells, as well as in uh, cells part of the cancer that's called Ehrlich-Ocytus carcinoma. What I'm showing is that um, colloidal silver and or compounds with colloidal silver have been shown to inactivate and or kill different types of tumors. Now stepping further, we go towards uh, the production of colloidal silver and I'm going to briefly talk about um, an instrument or a, a series of devices that you can use to make colloidal silver. And Spooky2 is the company that produces this, and they sell uh, colloidal silver kits. And uh, while I'm not affiliated in any way with this company, I think it's worth uh, mentioning this in detail because, well, just because um, they have a very nice uh, commercial way of presenting their kit, which when put together works and it gives you uh, a product which is a good quality colloidal silver. And you have the possibility of um, making it the way you want in with respect to concentration. You can make it as 
as strong as you like and as much as you like using this. Let me interrupt, let me interrupt for a second. So uh, this is an attachment that goes with the uh, the Spooky 2 device, or is this the whole, all you need? This is all you need uh, in terms of hardware. Of course, you will also need a, a Windows-based computer to connect to all these things because uh, it needs the software. Um, actually, maybe it's, it's a good time to uh, describe uh, briefly what I understand by a, by a Spooky 2 device or a series of devices. There's actually three parts. The, the first part is the software part, which is just the software installed on the computer that controls the process. Then you have the intermediate part, with this, which is the generator. Here is the blue box that you see in the right upper part of the picture. And uh, um, the generator will be connected with a USB cable to the computer. And on the other side, uh, there'll be some wires which will be connected to what I call the peripheral because they have several devices. This is just an example. It's the colloidal silver kit, which is quite a simple uh, in, in terms of functioning. Um, and the way it works is the software tells the generator what to do because the, uh, the generator is a signal generator. So what happens is um, the software tells the generator what signal to put out and then the signal, signal goes out, it goes through the wires and it does its thing on whatever peripheral you have. And here actually we don't have any peripheral. You have wires that are connected to the silver rods or electrodes that go inside the, in the electrolysis vessel, which is a glass beaker in our case. Um, and the beaker stays on, uh, on the magnetic stir, which is the square device that you see in the left upper part of the image. Uh, with the only purpose of using a magnet inside it so that it stirs the fluid while the electrolysis is being done. And that helps the process. All right. Let's get into the heart of it and uh, see actually how to make the colloidal silver. And I made this list for people who are keen on writing things down or taking snapshots and want to do things step by step. You, and I'm one of these people, so do you think, <laughs> I was very, I, I very happy to do it. Do you think it would be worthwhile showing the uh, actual process and then reviewing it by going over this? Can I... I have a... Um, we can do that. Only, uh, I have... I, I know we have a couple of videos to show, uh, but um, actually I would like to briefly go through all of the points okay. one by one so that we have a little bit of sure. structure. And then we can go through the videos as well because those are maybe more explicative. It's nice to see things on a row, but then you might want to actually see the process happening. Okay. So let's start with that. Um, I will go through the process step by step. and. Uh, if you want to make your colloidal silver, you will need those uh, 
devices and hardware that we showed on the previous slide. And you will also need a beaker with distilled water. And then we start the process. The first thing to do is uh, to uh, drop the magnet in the beaker. And then we fill it with distilled water. And by the way, you can buy the distilled water from a pharmacy or you can make it yourself. I prefer to make it, make it myself and I have a water distiller for that. Now, after you fill up the beaker, you place it on the stirrer and then you place the rods or the electrodes inside. Now, here there's also an optional step which I didn't write in the list. And that's uh, if you would like to cover your beaker, you can do so. I always do that because uh, it may take a long time to make the colloidal silver. And during that time, if you'd like for it not to catch any dust, then you'd like to cover it. And I use a, a paraffin paper for that. But after you place the paraffin paper on, on it, you can punch through it with the electrodes. And, and then you have your setup, actually. Then the next thing you want to do is to connect the alligator wires to the rods. And then at the other side, there's a BNC connector that connects to the colloidal silver port of the chosen so-called boost and then the generator. Um, then what you do is you start the magnetic stirrer just to make sure that it will spin. And then we can go to the software part. And what you do is uh, in the software, uh, we use the colloidal silver or ionic silver calculator. It's a tool, it's a function that we open from the util step of the software to calculate the number of minutes that you need to run your electrolysis for. Then we go and choose the colloidal silver generation preset from the miscellaneous folder of the presets. Then we input the number, which is the number of minutes that we found out at step four in the dwell multiplier on the programs tab. Then you overwrite your generator and then you start the generator. And this sounds a little bit technical, but I'm going to show it as an example. And now if we could start with the beginning showing how to put on the beaker and we fill it with water, it's uh, a video that I made. That's the one indeed. So here we have the beaker. I'm pouring the water in it. The magnet is already inside, as you can see. And it sits on the magnetic stirrer. I like to make one liter of colloidal silver at a time, just to have enough of it, because you never know how much you need. And once that is done, if you have your paraffin paper, you place it on top and then you go with the silver electrodes inside. And you might want to have a look at them and place them or replace them 
as I'm doing here because they recommend that there should be at least one inch in between the electrodes. So we might want to adjust the electrodes and especially after we connect them, which will happen in a second. I will introduce the alligator wires and then clip the electrodes. And care was taken to be able to see them from this angle, which I'm not usually working with. But as you can see, as you attach the alligators, the the wires or the electrodes will move, and then we need to play around a little bit with the wires and with the, the electrodes at the same time so that we can have them in a stable position and at the same time have enough distance in between them. And if you have the paraffin paper, that will give a bit of structure and a bit of support, so it's easier to do that. Now I started the magnetic stirrer, as you can see the magnet is spinning. So we are basically good to go for the next step, but you see here that you can adjust the speed, and the speed was quite high in the beginning, so you see a vortex forming. If you like to leave it like that, that's fine. I decreased the speed a little bit, because if it spins too quickly, then this, this vortex that's created in the water can destabilize the electrodes and they can move around. But it's a question of trying and seeing what you like best. And once we're happy with our setup, we go further because you see the generator here, the, the wires are connected to the generator. And we can go to the next step, which is the software step. And for that, we will need the, the other video that I filmed from the software. And so the first thing that we need to do, of course, is to launch the software. And we need at least that generator that I showed needs to be connected to the computer. So we go to the presets. Sorry, we go to the utils and we go to the colloidal silver calculator. And this is where we input the numbers. We input the volume. It's one liter, so that's 1,000 milliliter. And then we input the PPM that we want. And people can choose 20 PPM. I choose 45 because that's a bit more concentrated. We can use it both internally and externally. Now we go to the minutes there, the duration in minutes, and I copied that number. I selected and copied it. And then we go to the presets, and then we go into the miscellaneous folder. I click on that one, and then it goes there, and we select the colloidal silver generation preset, which is that one. Then we go to programs, and then there's a setting in the down, down is, yeah, that's the one over there. The bomb multiplier we selected, and then we paste that number, which is 3375 in this case. And that's the duration in minutes again. And then we go to the control tab, we tick the box that says override generator, then we select our generator. Here I assumed it was number one. 
and then we're ready to start. And the only thing left to do is uh, we click on start and then it will start. What I showed was, was that the estimated total time for this was 56 hours, which is quite a while. So it takes time for this process, but you'll have a good quality high concentration colloidal silver at the end to the presentation and because there's still a few things to tell about what steps to take after the production of the colloidal silver uh, we uh, of course disconnect the electrodes and the cable from the electrodes and then we take the electrodes out and with care because they will uh, be covered with a deposit which is made of silver chlorine and or silver oxide and maybe other compounds as well and that's why we need to take care because we don't want a lot of the deposit to stay in the suspension because we want to maybe drink that one and what we can do with the electrodes is to wipe them clean with the cloth or paper paper towel and then clean them more thoroughly with a sponge and a mixture of bicarbonate of soda, salt, and white vinegar. And that's for the care of the electrodes in between uses. Now what we see is the suspension. I have a sample there that I have in a tinted bottle um, on the right-hand side. And after we label it, we can keep it in adequate containers and it has a label on it because the shelf life is approximately six months after production and then you want to know when you made it if it gets that far in time you want to know that after six months it's better not to use it anymore because not because there's anything like it won't be damaging in any way but it will just not be active anymore and there's one more thing that I wanted to say about the colloidal silver. Uh, when you uh, pour it from the electrolysis vessel from the beaker into the bottle, uh, please use a filter. I use a regular coffee filter because you want to filter out uh, any undol deposit that's still left in there. I took a, a few pictures of the electro cleaning because I wanted to show you um, how it looks like. And on, on the picture on the left, you see the electrodes just taken out of the solution after electrolysis. Uh, it's not very obvious, but there is quite a lot of grayish deposit on both of them. I prepared the, um, the solution for cleaning the white vinegar with uh, bicarbonate of soda and a bit of salt and it's foaming on the left, maybe you can see that a little bit. And on the right-hand side is how the, everything looked after I cleaned the electrodes, after I wiped them with the sponge and the solution. And you see all the deposit on the sponge, and the electrodes are nice and clean. Now, let's say a few words about quality control of colloidal silver, and you've already mentioned a little bit uh, in the beginning, but I will uh, start from the beginning. True colloidal silver is not ionic. 
and therefore it doesn't have an electrical charge. This is achieved by periodically shifting the polarity of the electrodes, which is done by the Spooky2 software. And again, that's why I'm mentioning this company, because they are, to my knowledge, the first who thought about this and really put a lot of effort and I, I would say intelligence into making this device. And the way it works is it, it really goes through at, at all lengths in order to make true colloidal silver and not ionic silver. This is a very important difference because a colloidal non-ionic silver is the only form that gets to be absorbed and used by the body. And I will add a little bit here, that's not on the slide. Colloidal silver is the, the bioactive form. And that's what you want to be having both on your body if you apply it externally, and especially inside your body if you're drinking it. Unfortunately, most of the electrolysis processes that are in use today use a very strong direct uh, current which tends to produce a lot of ionic silver and not a lot of colloidal silver. And the trouble with ionic metals, including silver, is that they are very reactive chemically. So what happens is, for instance, if you want to drink it, you, you drink that suspension and you have very active uh, ions, metal, metallic ions. So what happens? It, when it gets into the stomach, you have a lot of other ions in your stomach and you have a lot of negative ions as well, including chlorine. So what happens is the ionic silver will immediately bind with the chlorine and you'll get silver chlorine, which is not active biologically. So you will not use that. Now is what the, you want to have is, is, it an, is, is it an uncomfortable effect? Or does the person not know that this is going on, but there, it's no, just... No, no, no. I don't think you'll notice any of okay. that. It's just that you will not have something useful. And the trouble is that you'll have silver chlorine, which is actually a white deposit. So I'm, uh, I can give people a tip about how to test the colloidal silver. If you buy colloidal silver from the internet or whatever, and you want to see how much of that is actually ionic silver, it's very easy to test, and I've done that with both um, coil, well, silver that I bought from the internet and with the silver that I made myself. I did the same test. You can pour some of that suspension in a, in a whiskey shot and then add some salt, table salt. So what will happen is, as I said, immediately the... Uh, the ionic silver will, in, will interact and bind with the chlorine and you'll get the white silver chlorine. And so if you add a little bit of salt and you see that 
the, the fluid becomes cloudy and, and a bit murky, that means that you have a lot of colloidal silver. And that's what happened with the silver that I bought from the internet. Now, when I did the same with the one that I produced, there was a, only a very slight change. There was a little bit of change, but not that much. Definitely not, not as dramatic as with the other one. So that already says with the naked eye that there's a, a clear difference in quality between the two. <laughs> and now we get to the TDS meters that you mentioned in the beginning. Um, they're also called the PPM meters because they show you a number of PPM, which means parts per million. And they indeed only measure electrically charged particles. And therefore, measurements of uh, your solution, let's say, or your fluid, better said, they should yield a value which is zero or close to zero before you start the electrolysis when you measure distilled water, as well as after the process. And that is why TDS meters are not useful in quality control because they don't measure the colloidal silver. And now I make another parenthesis. Um, when I'm making, I tried it a few times, you don't have to do it every time, but when you have distilled water, even if you buy it, or especially when I was making it in the beginning, I wanted to make sure. I measured the distilled water with the TDS meter and it showed me zero. Now, after I made the colloidal silver, I measured again. And I think it measured two and that was it. And that's a very good thing. Now, think about people who sell colloidal silver on the internet they take pride in making colloidal silver or uh, colloidal gold even and they sell it with 20 ppm 25 45 ppm 60 or 70 ppm even 120 ppm and people think that the higher the ppm the better it is that's wrong the higher the ppm is it means that you're measuring a lot of electrically charged particles, which are not a colloidal metal. And so that's one actually, actually the, the lower you get, the better quality it is because you have colloidal silver. On the other hand, if you buy something, there's no way of knowing what's inside, unfortunately, because the colloidal, the true colloidal silver is not measured by the TDS. And then if you buy something that measures two or three PPM, you might think, okay, I only have distilled water there. And now you understand the dilemma. It's not actually possible to say that you have or you do not have colloidal silver or any colloidal metal for that matter inside your suspension. And so the only thing that people thought of is to check the presence of silver particles or maybe other metal is to use what is called the Tyndall effect and you do that by shining a light through the beaker or your glass electrolysis vessel and this will show light which is scattering from the particles after you do the electrolysis now there's also a 
not so good thing about this method is because the Tyndall effect depends on the strength and the thickness of the light beam as well as on the wavelength or color of the light beam. For instance, a green light is scattered more than the red light. And I'm going to show uh, two pictures of the Tyndall effect, which I had in my electrolysis beaker before and after the process. And some people say that with some laser, which is maybe thin and with a red light, you should not be able to see any Tyndall effect. You, should, you shouldn't be able to see the light going through the beaker before because it's distilled water only. And you should see Tyndall effect afterwards. Now, as you can see, I have a pretty strong laser beam here, which is also green. And when you shine this through the beaker, unfortunately, or maybe not, uh, you also see the Tyndall effect. You also see the beam going through the water before the electrolysis. Even though it's distilled water, even though it measures zero on the TDS meter, you still have some particles that scatter the light. But if you compare it with the picture that's taken after the electrolysis, you see a lot of light on the left, but that's because the, the laser beam was reflecting on the walls and coming back through, so you see a lot of light. However, if you look strictly at the beam, I think you will notice that on the left, the beam is not as bright as on the right, and it looks more solid on the right than on the left. And that means that there are much more particles after the electrolysis rather than before. And here is where I'd like to show a, a little clip of my setup after or during the electrolysis process. And uh, also another that I made is that, please have a look at this. You see the light, it's, it's a strong beam, very bright, very solid. And if we play it again, we see that, well, apart from the magnet going through it, uh, please notice the solution. The, the fluid is very clear and clean. And that's also important because I've seen people that reported that when they started the electrolysis process, they have gotten a cloudy or murky water. If that happens, it means that you don't have properly distilled water. Uh, so in order to have a good electrolysis process, if you want to make a colloidal metal, you uh, only need two things that are important. The first one is that you need properly distilled water. And the second one is you need a very pure electrode, no matter what it is, gold, silver, copper. You need it to be a pure, as pure as possible. And I will explain a little bit later. Um, maybe one more thing that I'd like to show if we can, if we can go through the clip again is I don't the, the setup that I've shown is a little bit different than the one that was initially there. This is not the the stir from Spooky 2. This is something else. This is a device which 
like a small hot plate, which actually is a hot plate. And this can be used for colloidal gold as well, because for silver, you don't need to heat the water. It's a small hot plate, and it has temperature control. It has a probe, which is a, a thermometer, which is not in this clip, but can be used in order to make a lot of gold, because for that you need to heat the water in uh, temperature control. This one is just for silver, and it shows the Tyndall effect of the laser. But this is how my setup looks like when I'm making colloidal silver. And actually the same copper and gold, but with different electrodes, of course. Thank you. Um, some useful materials that people can use about colloidals, and especially about the silver. You have the book that I've already mentioned by Dr. M. Paul Farber, uh, which is called The Micro Silver Bullet. And it's quite a thick book. Uh, you can find it in paper format on Amazon. I bought it as a second hand, actually imported from the US because I couldn't find it anywhere else. It's not easy to find. And it's, I think it's out of print, so it's yeah, becoming less and less available. But it's a very good book to have because, uh, as the title already says, he has used it with success for Lyme disease, against the AIDS virus, and for yeast infection and other infections. A newer book, which is uh, written by a collective from the UK, and it's called Silver in Healthcare. And it's a more, um, how should I phrase this? Uh, it's more in line with the, at least the form of scientific research nowadays. So some people might find it appealing. It has a lot of information on silver and in, including colloidal silver. Now let's say a few words about other colloidal metals, and I will start with colloidal gold. As I was saying, colloidal gold is produced with almost the same equipment, so the software is the same and the wires are the same. But the only difference is that you have to use gold electrodes and plates, and I use a setup that combines uh, a thin uh, wire, because you can only find thin wires, with small gold plates in order to increase the surface of electrolysis. Now, other than that, you also need a hot plate with temperature control because the electrolysis vessel should be kept at a constant 60 degrees Celsius. And it takes double the time that it takes for colloidal silver. You will also need to add a bit of colloidal silver in order to start the process because gold electrolysis is very slow to start otherwise. Um, a little bit about the effects of colloidal gold, and it's very difficult to find information about this subject. But if you get the book that I mentioned in the previous slide, then you will see that Dr. Farber was planning to write another book and was going to be titled The Micro Gold Bullet, A Natural Answer to Mental Diseases and Arthritis. 
And even in the book about colloidal silver, he also mentions colloidal gold, and he documented some cases when um, treating people with colloidal gold decreased the size of tumors and prevented infection and reduced pain. Now, other people have reported that gold may improve brain activity and soothe arthritis, uh, all, uh, as well as improve the aspect of skin in external applications. And it has probably a germicidal effect, although not as much as silver. And the evidence of this is mostly anecdotal because it's very difficult, if not impossible, to find um, tested information about colloidal gold. Now, that's, that's pretty interesting. Are you suggesting that there's a concerted effort to keep colloidal silver off the market? Um, I think this has been tried. And if you, uh, if you read some books, I think it's even mentioned that um, attempts have been made to take colloidal silver out of existence altogether. And this was stopped because of public outcry. Um, of course, this is all difficult to uh, prove, but um, let's just say that colloidal silver is good for your health. And having all these benefits, it might make some people uncomfortable. Uh, now let's go and uh, have a little chat about colloidal copper. And this is easy to make, just as, uh, as you would make colloidal silver, exactly in the same way, but this time using pure copper electrodes. And colloidal copper is used externally for cosmetic applications as well as for arthritis. And the important factor, which I think I've already mentioned, if you want to make any kind of colloidal metal, is the purity of the rods. And you want to have the rods at least 99.9% .9 purity of the respective metal. Because otherwise, you will uh, end up with other metals in the suspension, which are potentially toxic. Uh, I will mention nickel and aluminum among others, because uh, if you make an alloy from gold, for instance, it's, um, it's often nickel, which is, you don't want to drink that one. We talked about this uh, a few days ago, and it was my understanding that, that you were saying one of the things that makes this so uh, hard to, to reckon with, and I'm talking about buying it from unknown sources or even known sources versus making it yourself is that you mentioned the idea that some people who make colloidal silver uh, don't even uh, check the actual uh, purity of the silver or the gold or the copper that they're using in the first place. Is that correct? Yes, I think it is. I've, I've watched a few videos uh, from the internet about how people make their colloidal and I've seen uh, quite a few where people were just 
instead of using a proper generator, they would just stick a couple of batteries to each other to get some voltage, and then they would use uh, home-made wires to put in the in a you know a glass jar. And for instance, when they were making silver or gold, gold they were using coins. And I mean, with all due respect, I don't know of those things. If you know that you have a gold or silver coin, which is 99.9%, and it's really clean, then that's fine. You can use it. But otherwise, uh, I prefer to buy electrolyte for electrolysis. And I do use uh, some small uh, gold plates in the case of gold, because as you can imagine, the electrolyte the gold electrodes are very thin, they are very thin. And I want to increase the surface of electrolysis in order to get some colloidal metal. And I use small plates, but I make sure that they are 99.9% concentration. They are as, as pure as possible. And of course, there's also the distilled water. So if, if any of those is less than ideal, then yeah, the worse it is, then the worse is the thing that you're getting. And if you have uh, water which is not properly distilled, maybe it's not such a bad thing, depending of course on what water that is, but if you have a metal which is not pure, if you drink colloidal nickel and or aluminum or maybe others, that can be really toxic. I was saying um, about my personal experience with colloidal metals, I like my uh, colloidal silver concentrating and uh, I am using the word equivalent. It's 45 ppm equivalent. It's not 45 ppm because, as I was saying earlier, um, if you get to 45 ppm with your colloidal metal suspension, then there's something wrong, either with the electrolysis process and you're getting a metal which is ionic and not colloidal, and or you have improperly distilled water. Uh, however, for the purpose of calculation with the tool from the Spooky to software, you need to enter a number in that calculator. And then I use 45 at the PPM to get the duration. Now, after I make the colloidal silver, um, I take it internally every day and I use one tablespoon on an empty stomach in the morning and a larger amount or more often when it's needed. Um, I can say that myself and my family, the three of us have used the colloidal silver for quite a while. It's about a year now that we're making it ourselves and we haven't had a flu or cold ever since. And I also make colloidal gold and have tried it both externally and internally. But because of the lack of data, I can only uh, recommend the external use. And I also make colloidal copper. And uh, what I have noticed is that I am using a mixture of colloidal silver and copper, about equal parts, and that can replace the deodorant and other shave. And we use all three colloidals, gold, silver, and copper, when we make our cosmetic products, creams and gels, because um, this use prevents spoilage and it definitely adds to the improvement of skin.
And that's why I recommend all these colloidal metals. After I produce them, I also imprint them using the Spookito devices, and I use the 466 hertz frequency. And I also use Reiki symbols for enhancement, and I use Reiki for everything I make, both colloidals and uh, cosmetic products, everything. Well, <laughs> this has been a very, very enlightening um, program. I really appreciate all the information. Do you have any conclusion that you would like to add to this? Or are we basically at the end? Well, I mean, maybe I'm repeating myself, but I think a lot of metals are very useful. It's a resource that's not definitely doesn't get enough attention and or use. And especially colloidal silver is very beneficial to health. And I think it's safe to use both externally and internally. And you can, I this, but you can use it uh, in external applications for any wounds or skin infection or cuts or bruises, anything that needs. And it's not um, caustic. It doesn't burn the skin in any way. It's actually very good. And you can even use a mixture with the other colloidals in external applications. I've tried them. And many people can benefit from it. And if you use colloidals silver internally, it strengthens the system and it helps uh, regeneration of tissue and bones. So I think uh, people should make use of it as much as possible. Right. Well, I really, on behalf of all the people who watch the show and myself too, included, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. I, I really appreciate all of your expertise and um, look forward to having you on again, Livia. I appreciate it a lot. I'd like to thank you for watching and listening to the Timeless Voyager series podcast. You know, we're on video players like YouTube, Rumble, and audio players like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. One thing you can do to support the growth of the Timeless Voyager series is to hit that like button, share, comment, and please subscribe. Uh, my next uh, milestone is 1,000 subscribers, so you can help by just hitting that subscribe button below in the description. Subscribing is important because it triggers algorithms that help grow the Timeless Voyager channel. Remember, subscribing is free and easy to do. My name is Bruce Stephen Holmes, and I hope that your own personal voyage through life towards the development of your highest potential is a joyous and successful one.